0: Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, Rookie. Hello, guys, and welcome to the first episode of the 2022 Rookie Rundown. We are talking rookies from the upcoming draft that are going to be hitting now that the bowl game season is about to begin here in a couple of weeks. It's an exciting time. Uh, It's been a little bit since I've got to talk just straight prospects with all of you, and I'm excited to do so. Um, Just a couple of programming notes today. I'm basically going to be going over any of the top fives that I have at the current um, four positions of interest, as always, of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end for the 2022 draft class. Um, I will put an asterisk with that, with the fact that I have not watched every single prospect I have a general idea of a lot of them, um, but I have quite a few that have watched a minimum of basically four games of of their tape from the 2021 college season. Now that they've gone through their championship games, their big matchups, their rankings, I have a general idea of my layout of my top fives thus far. So I'm going to be going over that in today's show, as well as answering a couple of uh, viewer questions. If anything pops up on the live stream, as well as going over a couple of questions that I got from some of our Patreon members here at the DWZ network. Um, so as always, I'm Dallas. I'm in charge of the rookie content here with the DWZ network. And we're just going to go ahead and dive. Dive right in with everyone's favorite starting position and arguably the uh, most important one going into most super flex drafts, and that's the rookie quarterbacks that are going to be coming out in the twenty twenty two draft. Um, the official declares haven't come out yet, and there are a couple of guys in this class in general at all positions that could not come out, but it, these are the ones that I expect to basically. Um, so my number one overall and the quarterback position is actually going to be Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Um, So he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Last year, he had a very up-and-down season, a very um, interception-plagued and turnover-plagued season with Ole Miss. That completely flipped script this year. Um, He showed an aspect to his game, i.e. the rushing floor that he has that is not seen by a lot of quarterbacks in NCAA football currently, and it's the type of quarterback that we're looking for going forward. That rushing floor at pretty much any type of format for your quarterback makes a huge difference. And that's why you see, unless you're super efficient, like a guy like Tom Brady, you don't see the numbers and the output on a week to week basis um, from your quarterbacks, unless they have that rushing floor. So looking at Matt Corral, My comparison basically that I see with him over the last two years of comparison between all the quarterback prospects is I think he's like a Marcus Mariota, but without the hesitancy to go deep that Marcus Mariota had. And that's a dangerous combo if it's used appropriately in a West Coast type system, which is what he uses at Ole Miss currently. Over the last two years, sorry, not over the last two years, over this last season in 2021, he ended up with nearly 69% completions. It was 68.5% completion of all of his passes for just underneath 3,400 yards. He ended up with 20 touchdowns through the air and four interceptions with no fumbles. And he ended up accounting for 597 yards on the ground with 11 more touchdowns. So that's pretty crazy um, production on the ground from a guy you wouldn't assume to be a scrambler outright. Um, I'm very excited. He's extremely accurate, which is very surprising. The only part of his game that he has a little bit of trouble of is even though he has the arm to make the throws his accuracy, uh accuracy on some of his pylon throws is a little bit suspect at times. And it's something that you really need to watch out for. Um, so outside the hashes, Anywhere in between basically um, 15 and 20 yards, that's where you start to get into a little bit of weird situations with some of his throws that you kind of have to be concerned about. But other than that, like I said, um, the floor, the rushing floor that I assumed Marcus Mariota was going to have is something that I think he could have. And he has just the same accuracy intangibles that Marcus Mariota has. He has way bigger personality, which will make him a better fit in most locker rooms. And his overall college production is pretty much on par over the last two years. If you look at basically what Marcus Mariota was doing outside of his Heisman year. Going on to my number two quarterback, it is actually Mr. Desmond Ritter. So this is probably where it shakes up for a lot of people. Um, For me, he's out of the University of Cincinnati. Um, I see Teddy Bridgewater, honestly, with Desmond Ritter, which may not sound like a super sexy comp, but... um, Teddy was a pretty high rated prospect coming out of college. Um, he has, even now, still some intangibles, some extremely good smarts, some extremely good accuracy. And overall, he's just a winning quarterback. Um, I think Teddy gets quite a bit of a bad rap, but with Desmond Ritter, I see a lot of similarities in his game. Um, in this last season, he put up basically 66% completion for 3,190 yards passing with 30 touchdowns to just eight turnovers in total. On the ground, it's not as impressive as Matt Corral, but he did put up 361 yards with six additional rushing touchdowns for Cincinnati this year. The thing that stands out the most, different when it comes to a guy like Desmond Ritter to the rest of the quarterbacks in this class is his win loss um, totals over his career. So a guy like Matt Corral is 19 and 12 and his 31 starts in the college collegiate game. Desmond Ritter being a slightly older prospect is 41 and five. He's the third winningest quarterback in NCAA history on a team that people don't uh, associate with being extremely good in Cincinnati. Um, I'm excited to see him in this college football playoff format to officially see what he can do on a big stage against a true power five team, seeing how he's coming out of the group of five, but I'm excited to see what he can do. He's extremely sturdy and extremely steady. Um, he's a little bit bigger than a lot of people, um, think he is. He's 6'3", about 230. Um, so he's got the weight, he's got the mobility, and he makes really, really good decisions on a regular basis. He's just an overall solid prospect, and he might be my favorite quarterback um, just when it comes to just standard what I expect from the guy. Uh, if I put him out in the field, he's going to give it to me. A guy that's slightly lower on the picking order for me is Kenny Pickett. He's actually my third rated quarterback out of this class, and he's, at, he's out of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, his completions. Stats pretty much, um, as well as his overall stats for this last year, are actually the most impressive out of all of my top five quarterbacks on my list. But when I look at Kenny Pickett, he put up 68% completion for 4,320 yards passing with 42 touchdowns to just seven turnovers this last year. He's your true pocket passer, and he does have some mobility that's surprising to most. Um, Matt Corral gets a lot of comparisons to a Baker Mayfield, um, and that's justifiable due to the accuracy that Matt Corral has. Um, Kenny Pickett makes quite a few more errant throws, um, and that's not really what we saw out of Baker Mayfield coming out of college. I don't have a good comp for a guy like Kenny Pickett right now, but he just kind of goes out there and does what he's supposed to. Um, he does make a slight, uh, a little bit too often, you can find him trying to force the ball into windows that are not quite there, which is a little bit concerning for me from quarterback position. Uh, he's got some notes of Jay Cutler, um, but he's just overall a pretty good rounded quarterback. He doesn't have the best arm in the class, so that's why he's lower than a guy like Desmond Ritter but he also has a decent uh, winning record. He's also an older prospect. He's actually played 52 games compared to the 46 that Ritter has played. And uh, he has 32 wins. Um, So just a little bit behind him. Um, I'm interested to see where he goes. If he had come out last year, I would say he would be a good fit for a a team like Pittsburgh to back up a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who is pretty comparable to him. Um, But, I'm just intrigued to see where he goes. Um, He was a little bit less mobile on the ground, but he did end up putting up five touchdowns on the ground this last season as well. So, you know, 47 touchdowns is nothing to shy away from at the collegiate game, from the quarterback position, regardless of whether or not they're coming in the rushing game or the passing game. Number four, for me is Mr. Sam Howell. So he came in as a consensus, pretty much QB one, um, switching in and out with uh, Spencer Rattler, who has plummeted to the depths of hell, basically, uh, over the last season since being replaced by Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. But Sam Howell at a UNC. Um, I'm not as high on him as a lot of people. Um, I think he was propped up by his weapons, which is a very similar situation to his overall athletic ta- intangibles that he showed this year to a guy that I compare him to. And that's Mr. Blake Bortles. Um, not a super sexy comp. It's a guy that went really early in the NFL draft at three overall to a team that didn't know how to make decisions on a good basis. Um, but Sam Howe ended up going for 62% completion this year for just 2,851 yards passing with a 23 to nine touchdown to interception ratio where he really stepped it up though was on the rushing side. So we didn't see this a lot over the last couple of years in part due to the running back depth and the wide receiver depth that they have on the team. The offensive weapons at the university of North Carolina were pretty impressive over the last couple of years. We saw that talent, Exodus and ended up going to the NFL last year in the form of both running backs and both lead wide receivers leaving. And so Sam Howell had to burden a lot more of the load this year. As a passer, he a little bit regressed with his deep ball, which looked elite last year, which is a little bit concerning because that was one of his highest touting things is the fact that he was a gunslinger and would chuck the ball pretty deep but seeing this added rushing floor as well as 11 rushing touchdowns on the season is something that's extremely enticing because we knew he was an athlete. He just never really showed it. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of what we saw from kind of like an Alex Smith in the league. But again, I compare him to a Blake Bortles just because his decision-making is still extremely subpar and his short to intermediate passing game is not as even close to where it should be after being basically a three-year starter here at the university of North Carolina. And then the one that's probably going to get me flamed the most is who, who I have at five. I have Malik Willis as the fifth best quarterback in this class. Um, he's a lot higher based off of his upside for a lot of people. And a lot of guys based off of his rushing floor have him at that one or two spot, even in this class, because a lot of people consider it to be a little bit of a depressed value for a lot of the quarterbacks in this year's draft compared to last year. But Malik Willis scares me. Um, He is extremely inconsistent as a passer and a part of his game that you didn't see earlier on in his career, even before he transferred from Auburn to Liberty where he has played the last two years is interceptions. He had his most interceptions ever as a passer his last year in college, most likely, which is this one. And although his rushing You know, his rushing floor is quite impressive over the last couple of years. He put up 820 yards. That's less than what we saw from a guy like Sam Howell this year. That should be a little bit concerning when you think basically most people are considering him to be the next Lamar Jackson from a rushing standpoint. When you look at him, he didn't put up the same rushing stats that you got from a guy like Sam Howell. Um, his win-loss record, he's only started 28 games. He's 19-9. and nine. He has the worst win-loss record out of all the top five outside of actually Matt Corral, who had the highest, which is kind of concerning. Uh, but when you're looking at that, he didn't win a lot of games when he was the starter. Liberty was supposed to be good when you're looking at a non-Power 5 school. Wasn't really something that happened. His passing yardage, he never passed for over 2,700 yards. That's a little bit concerning. He has basically a two to one interception, uh, touchdown to interception ratio, which is a little bit concerning. And overall, I just think he's way too inconsistent. Um, my comp for him is a little bit more of an old school one. I say old school, but it's, uh, you know, three quarters of a decade old uh, for anyone who, who has followed Big 12 football over the last decade or so. Um, Trevion. Boykin out of TCU would be my comp for him. It's a guy who was extremely electric on the ground when he was asked to rush the ball, but he was extremely inconsistent as a passer. Um, They look very similar in the style that they run. Um, They run with a little bit more tenacity than a guy like Lamar Jackson, which is something that's nice, but they both don't have the body types to really support that going forward. So that's why I'm extremely hesitant with a guy like, Malik Willis out of Liberty and that's why he's a lot lower for me than he is on a lot of other consensus um, quarterback lists so uh, we've got one question in the chat already so far regarding the quarterback position from my, Mike, uh, my guy Mike who's always in here on the live streams thanks Mike uh, how many QBs go in round one this year so I think there's going to be a lot more shift in quarterbacks this year when it comes to the free agent carousel, kind of similar to what we've seen in the last two years, as opposed to a lot of quarterbacks coming out in the draft in the first round. Um, for me, I realistically only think it's probably going to be three this year. Um, I think it's going to end up being Malik Willis as one of them. A team's going to take a flyer on it most likely just because of the upside. But then I think it's going to be Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter as the other two that end up going out. Um, the team specifically that I see bringing them in, um, unless something wild goes on with Pittsburgh, somehow acquiring either Russell Wilson and, or Aaron Rodgers, um, which is a strong possibility. I see a team like Pittsburgh bringing in a guy. I personally think that Desmond Ritter would be a really good fit it's in, in a city like Pittsburgh. Um. He's just down the road in Cincinnati. I think it would be a good fit for him. Matt Corral is coming out, and odds are he's going to end up most likely being the first quarterback taken. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I would want him. I honestly don't think Detroit's going to be taking a quarterback uh, in the first round in this upcoming draft, just because I think they're going for that two-year window tank. They don't have the talent to really support it yet. Um, But a team like Philly could be a possibility. Um, We saw today Minshew just kind of take over that not take over the job but kind of run the offense in a different capacity and it was almost like Sirianni was like hey let's uh, try to just run it how we should be running the offense and of course it worked out um but yeah to answer your question Mike I would go probably three quarterbacks and the three would be Matt Corral Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis would be my projection um obviously that will change in the next six months or so I guess five months um but that would be my projection going forward. So going on to the next position, the fun one, and uh the one I've actually put the most time into this year so far is the running back position because that's what people like to hear about. Um so going into my number 1 overall, I have Mr. Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. So When I'm looking at all the running backs, he checks all the boxes better than any of the other backs. Um, He has the pass-catching chops. He has the rushing chops. His vision is crazy good. And he's an all-around bell cow that doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires just based off of how Texas A&M runs their offense. They're pretty much a run-and-gun, high um, pass-volume offense. And it's been like that since Johnny Manziel was pretty much there. Um, If the quarterback's not running, typically they're passing. But still, two back-to-back seasons of over 1,000 yards on the ground from a guy like Isaiah Spiller. All my running back splits are two-year splits. So looking over the last two years, he's put up 2,047 rushing yards with 15 touchdowns on the ground. So a 5.6 yards per carry average. And he's actually seen 45 receptions for another 382 yards and one touchdown on the ground. So he doesn't have a ton of production in the receiving scoring aspect, but it's respectable. And he's basically proven that he can catch the ball. That's all you basically have to do as a running back in order to have that three down workload type of appeal. Um, One of the concerning things I actually noticed as I looked um, through most of the running backs in this class, though, is the fact that. There's a lot of fumblers in this class. Um, these are only two year splits and there's only one running back out of my top five that has less than four fumbles over the last two years. That's something that pops up. It's a little bit jarring and it's a little bit concerning. Um, just based off the fact that they all fill different roles, but none of them really are great at ball security. Um, I understand that it's not expected that you have zero fumbles, but to fumble once every three games over the last two years is a little bit concerning. And there's one guy on here specifically that I was a little bit floored on um, because basically over the last two years, he's fumbled once every other game. Uh, But Isaiah Spiller is my number one. Uh, The fumbles aside, he is, in my eyes, I see him filling a role with his explosiveness, his pass-catching ability, and the lack of use. He might go a little bit later than a guy like Brees Hall who's getting all the hype, but Isaiah Spiller for me looks a lot like Aaron Jones. Um, I think he could come in and immediately be a well-rounded three-down back for pretty much any team. Um, Texas A&M doesn't have an amazing offensive line. Obviously, you want him to go to, but a team like Miami, if a guy like Isaiah Spiller were to go in there and replace Gaskin, who has been mediocre at best over the last two years, that would be my ideal fit for him. Um, But yeah, looking at him, I see kind of like an Aaron Jones type of back. Um, He's very good when he gets the ball passed to him. He just doesn't get it passed to him a lot. Number two for me is a guy who's skyrocketed for most people, and that's actually our (laughs) our very own Jerry's, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Um, When it comes to him, there's not really a good comp when it comes to his play style, but he just is alpha level efficiency with everything that he does. He's otherworldly. He hasn't seen a like a ton of touches over the last two years, but he's still put up 225 yards in the ground with 31 touchdowns. He scores at an insane rate, and that's just based off of him. It's not like Michigan State outside of him on offense is prolific. Their quarterback is okay, but not great. They don't have any big-name wide receivers, big-name tight ends that have really been producing over the last two years it's pretty much just been the Kenneth Walker show and it's looked great. Um, When you look at him, he's sitting at over two years in a row, six yards per carry. He has 16 receptions for 119 yards and one touchdown. So he actually has the least amount of receiving production out of all the backs, but I'm not super concerned about that. Just based off the fact that once again, he's shown that he can catch the ball. Um, He's taken a couple of long screens and he is explosive. One of the main things before his transfer um, to michigan state he needed to prove that he could show the long top end speed and he did that this year his offseason work was insane because uh, it's similar to a guy like david montgomery to my very own bears uh when you look at kenneth walker he improved his speed it's the one knock that you had last year looking at him and there was multiple times that i'm sure jerry will talk to you guys about at some point where you're watching kenneth walker and he just Flew by three guys that supposedly had the angle for a 60, 70 yard run. A lot of them ending in touchdowns, as you can see with the high touchdown floor. So it's very exciting to see that type of athleticism. Um, He's not super old either. So he is the epitome of a ceiling guy who has shown the production year in, year out over the last two years basically checked the box of any of the hesitancy you may have had coming into the season and just has looked absolutely electric. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes. Like I said, not a great comp for him. He runs a little upright, but there's not a lot of guys that have the speed that he has that run that upright. So um, he's kind of an enigma in the class. I enjoy him a lot and I didn't expect to like him as much as I did, but it's really hard not to like him when you're watching him on film. And it's not like he was going up against scrubs. The big 10 isn't a joke. Um, going into a viewer question, a uh, man, Steve asked me earlier in the Patreon chat, um, where I would rank Javante Williams in this class. And my answer would be number three in this class. He would be behind Kenneth Walker due to the upside, just because I think Kenneth Walker is a little bit safer. He doesn't play as aggressive, which was my biggest concern with Javante. And he has a top end gear that Javante Williams just doesn't have. Um, the speed is there. He still has the height, weight, combo that you're looking for from a guy he's sitting at six foot 220 pounds which is pretty beefy pretty big what you're looking for sturdy he doesn't take huge hits like javante does that's why i have him slightly above but i like javante overall as a prospect better than i like pretty much anyone behind him um on this ranking for the running back so far uh The power and pass blocking, we've seen it with Javante so far, but my concern coming into the season was the overall pass-catching usage that he was going to get, which has been proven true. Um, Melvin Gordon has pretty much been the pass-down work outside of the pass-blocking role for Javante Williams. And I know we like to assume that he's just going to walk into a full-time role next year, but I think Denver likes this two-back combo that they have. Um, It's extremely efficient. They've won games when they've run the ball with both of them. And Gordon has played himself into another contract Um, with the salary cap being projected to go up by another $20.5 million next year. I wouldn't be shocked if they re-signed him. He's going to be 29. I don't think he's going to be super insane um, to re-sign if they want to. So it's just something that you should be a little bit hesitant. Um, I'm not saying to shy away from a guy like Javante Williams, but I just wouldn't expect him to walk into like a Christian McCaffrey level workload just because as everyone's kind of mentioned this year with all the injuries I think the split is the way to go with a lot of teams and as long as you're good you'll still produce I just don't think we're gonna see a lot of running backs hit that top upper echelon threshold unless it's a rookie coming into a situation like Najee Harris where it's just like feed the guy the ball um so looking at my number four Um, in that ranking with Javante, but my overall number three in this class, I have Brees Hall. It's a lot of people's consensus, number one overall. I'm not super impressed when I watch Brees Hall, though, on film. Um, I attribute a lot of what he has as gaudy stats. Um, It's the fact that he literally has seen over 500 carries over the last two years, and yes, he's produced at a solid 5.7 yards per carry, but pretty much Iowa State, all they do is feed him the ball. Um, He gets the ball pretty much every other play, if not every play, in some games. And you see him rack up 3,044 yards in the ground with 41 touchdowns over the last two years. And then through the air, he's actually a pretty accomplished receiving back. Um, He put up 59 receptions over the last two years for 482 yards with five touchdowns as well. Um, I do like his soft hands. He catches the ball really nice. Um, But I see him at a ceiling of a guy like melvin cord which could be good for you i'm not saying he's a bad prospect i just don't think he's otherworldly um everyone likes to ride that pff stat of broken tackles and that type of uh, wave of uh yeah missed tackles force that is a great stat but it's not everything um there are some deficiencies in his game he's not a burner speed wise um That's a little bit concerning. Uh, The volume is a little bit concerning. And overall, we just haven't really seen him go up against some of the competition when it comes to defensive run blocking that we see with the guys above him in the Big 10 and SEC. Um, The Big 12, although their defenses took a little bit of a turn this year, notoriously not that great at stopping the run. Um, Not a lot of big nose tackles coming out of the Big 12 for a lot of people. And when it comes to Brees Hall, I'm not trying to just be contrarian, guys. I just, he doesn't pop on film a lot with me. You don't see a lot of the huge explosive plays. It's just more of a 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, which, yeah, great. Just like Melvin Gordon, you can have a long career doing that. It's just, I don't think he's going to have that upper echelon worthy of the 101 pick like he may, you know, get in a lot of leagues this offseason. So um, going down to my number four is actually a guy who, if you're looking production alone, I might like a little bit more than a guy like Brees Hall. He's more explosive, and the only knock on him is that he comes from a very unheralded heralded school of UTSA, and that is uh, a very under, uh, underappreciated back named Sincere McCormick. So over the last two years, Sincere McCormick has put up 2,946 yards on the ground, 80 yards less than a guy like Brees Hall, 26 touchdowns on the ground, the same average of the 5.7 yards per carry. And he put up 42 receptions for another 315 yards. He's the only running back in this top five that has not fumbled once of the last two years. Holds onto the ball, doesn't have concerns at all. Forgot to mention also on Brees Hall, he had four fumbles over the last two years. So yet another guy, a lot of fumbles, a little bit concerning. But um, when I look at Sincere McCormick, He has the same workload, same lateral agility that you get from a guy like Brees Hall, but he has that top-end speed to pull away, which is something you don't see a lot of the times with Hall on his runs. He's going to be, in my opinion, the steal of a lot of fantasy drafts, unless he starts getting talked up by a lot of analysts. Um, Even throughout the season, though, he's still putting up all of this production, all of this talent that he's showing on the field. You still don't hear a lot of people hyping him up, even in the Debbie community. And it's one of those things where I can't quite wrap my head around it. Um, Literally, if he was just going to a different school, we would be lauding him the same way we're lauding Kevin uh, Walker this year, the same way we have been lauding Brees Hall. So I love sincere McCorick. huge steal, Really, really explosive on screens, and he's no slouch when it comes to height, weight measurables as well. He's sitting right at that 5'9", right at that 210 pounds, which is what you're looking for. It's pretty average. That's what you see with guys like um, Kareem Hunt. You see that with, uh, I mean, even measurables like Isaiah Spiller, Aaron Jones. They're pretty much the same. So I really like sincere McCormick. Um, I don't think you're going to have to take him as high as quite a few of the running backs that I'm going through, which is something that's exciting. And overall, I just think he's going to be really good. He's going to come in and he's going to surprise. He's my small school guy right now at the running back position that I really like. And I think it could be a steal going forward, like I said, in 2022 drafts. And then looking out as my number five, it's one of my favorite backs. Um, I just really like him overall with his game. It's exciting to watch him. And he's one of those players where he's out there and he's doing things that he shouldn't be able to do. And that is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Um, he's a third down specimen to me. He pass blocks. Like he, his life depends on it. It's insane. Uh, throws his body around. He's only sitting there at basically, he's probably going to weigh in at about 195 pounds with water weight. So you're looking at basically 190 pound back right around that 510 area. He looks more like a slot wide receiver when he's on the field, but he blocks. He, I've seen him pancake middle linebackers at 190 pounds, and that's just wild to me. Um, the dude throws his body around. He's electric in the pass game. He has 77 receptions over the last two years for 672 yards and four touchdowns. On the ground, he's put up over 2,000 yards, 2,127, and he has another 27 rushing yards. Um, for a guy that basically bust onto the scenes and was sharing the workload at Notre Dame over the last two years to put up that kind of value on a regular basis and that consistency at over five yards a clip, It's something that's extremely exciting, but I am concerned overall when you're looking at where he's going to fit on a team. He is the prime guy that just kind of comes in and fills a role for a team but doesn't really get a workload, so that's why he's a little bit lower on my list. Um, There's a couple of running backs immediately afterwards. And one specifically I'll touch on uh, immediately after this, that if they do declare, I do like them a little bit more to fill roles. And as I watch a little bit more tape on them, I think I will enjoy them a little bit more than a guy like Kyron Williams but for what he's supposed to be doing and what he will be doing in the NFL he's extremely good and as a complimentary piece in a PPR driven league which is what we're pretty much moving to if we're not already there Kyron Williams is electric Um, as long as he gets the draft capital I'm super comfortable with it he's a guy like Naheen Himes which if he's in a system with a quarterback that likes to check the ball down he has the wheels and the pass catching chops to make it worth it Uh, we've seen this year what my guy last my offseason darling last year Michael Carter has Done. He was a pass catching back. He found a perfect system with a pretty bad quarterback, a pretty bad offensive scheme that likes to check down the ball to uh, running backs, and he's been producing because of it. Um, He was a top 24 running back before injuries. That's the type of situation I see with a guy like Kyron William going into next year, depending on the situation that he falls into. So, looking at some running backs, um, I'm not going to touch specifically on their chats, and I also haven't filled stats, and I haven't finished watching their film yet um I talked about it a little bit in the Patreon but Jerome Ford if he declares I probably would have him at five or six right now it's between him uh on Ealy out of Ole Miss Brian Robinson out of Alabama and Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA those four running backs all have the profiles and running styles to be producers at the NFL level. It's just all going to be kind of situational depending on that. Um, I'm going to watch a little bit more film on my next actual rankings for my top fives. I'll dive a little bit deeper into where I have those guys. You'll see some shifts most likely with this four and five spot. Um, but pretty much everyone between four and about seven for me, um, they're pretty interchangeable. It's just what's your favorite flavor of ice cream type of deal. Um, if you want a pass catcher and you want to ride that Neheen Hines type role, you're going to go for a guy like Kyron Williams. If you want a bruiser who runs like Latavius Murray. And if a team is looking for a guy that can get you five yards every single time, uh, like I talked about on the pod on Thursday, like a Boston Scott type of deal, just bigger. Um, Zach Charbonnet is your guy. That dude's physical. That guy is big and he's extremely fast for being that big. Um, Another guy that I think is probably going to be the most underrated and probably not drafted super high but could have an extremely good role um, in the same vein as Ramondre Stevenson this last year is Brian Robinson out of Alabama. Um, a lot of people are concerned just because he's a senior, a true senior. He's a little bit older as a prospect, so is Ramondre. But you got to remember he was sitting behind guys like Najee, guys like, uh, I guess not Derek, but guys like Najee Harris, Um Prior at Alabama, they just churned in and out studs. The same thing with Jerome Ford. Uh, Brian Robinson sat it out and ended up getting work and ended up taking over the role the last two years for Alabama. But a guy like Jerome Ford transferred out, and we saw the electric uh, nature that he just wasn't able to beat out Najee, which is not surprising. So there's quite a few guys with talent in that range. I'm excited. Um, This class is quite a bit deeper than I thought it was going to be at the running back position. And so I'm excited to talk about it as the offseason kind of trickles on. Um, going into the next position for me, um, the hardest one to rank this year is probably wide receiver. Um, there's a lot of different types of wide receivers, which is pretty nice. Um, you don't have a lot of guys that fill that same role, but overall outside of the top three, um, there's a lot of guys that can produce, but they could rank pretty much anywhere, um, from four to 10 for me, um, just depending on draft capital, uh, as well as this free agency period. Um, we've, we've kind of seen in the last couple of years that they can completely shape a team's outlook. Um, as much as we want to avoid the, you have to play this guy because you're spending money narrative. It's a fact with a lot of teams. And so I think a lot of these guys, although they have skills that are extremely enticing, um, if they don't find the right, role on a team they could be forgettable um but top three i'm a big fan of um number one for me as it is for pretty much everyone the consensus 101 most likely in most drafts non-super flex burks um he's an alpha monster uh athletically he is elite on every scale um if he tests well in the 40 it's something that you need to be looking at as basically a tk metcalf type of deal with Traylon burks Um, he put up over 100 receptions the last two years just under 2,000 yards receiving, 18 touchdowns. He's also seen 29 carries. They use this guy who's 6'4 to carry the ball out of the backfield because he's so explosive. He's like a kick returner, kind of like what we're seeing with Cordell Patterson, um, that type of profile, except he's actually a good wide receiver as well. Um, So it's extremely exciting to see him. Um, He's a surefire, can't-miss type of guy um, for me. Probably not going to be as illustrious to a lot of people as Jamar Chase just because of the prolific season that Jamar Chase had last year before opting out in uh, 2020. So it guess 2019, that uh, playoff run they had. But uh, Traylon Burks is pretty much a monster. Uh, I love the dude. He's extremely fun to watch play. And for an Arkansas team that kind of went under the radar for a lot of people this year, um, the passing game was pretty electric. You know, a lot of it was predicated on Traylon Burks. Number two. The spot where everyone's going to hate me, Um, Chris Olave is my number two wide receiver. Uh, For me, he's a Calvin Ridley clone. He is everything that Calvin Ridley was coming out of Alabama. Extremely, extremely smooth route runner. Never drops the ball. He has had pretty much the uh, PFF uh, at the beginning of the season over his entire career, basically the last three years. He has been uh, the highest passer rated wide receiver when targeted. So I guess I phrased that probably pretty poorly, but quarterbacks when targeting him have had the highest passer rating out of any target in NCAA football, according to PFF. Um, He always catches the ball. He's always open. He's so smooth. The way I describe him is basically he has that annoying quality for the defensive team that he's going up against, kind of like what it was with Julian Edelman and Tom Brady in their prime. He's just always catching the ball on third down he just somehow is always open on the worst possible play to be open on for the defense and that's the type of player I love um, he is going to be a magnet for the football going forward uh, same way as Burks put up 115 receptions 200 yards less than Burks over the last two years so just 1600 he doesn't have that huge yardage total but he was the third down target and the touchdown end zone target outside of the tight ends for the Ohio state Buckeyes. And he reeled in 20 touchdowns of the last two seasons. Um, I'm a lot higher on him than a lot of people. A lot of people have his counterpart. Uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio state ranked higher due to the athletic ability. But his game isn't nearly as refined as a guy like Chris Olave, and I'm kind of tired of basing my wide receiver rankings of rookies coming out on uh, athletic profiles. I try to avoid that. I want all the outrunners, and yes, you can miss on guys like Jalen Waddle. That's an L I've taken from last year. I completely own it, but a lot of that was due to injury. Um, I just I just can't back athletic freaks that don't have production to match it and are bad separators. So when I'm looking at a guy like Chris Olave, I'm extremely excited to see him land on pretty much any team because I think he's immediately going to get some targets. He has that touchdown upside and deceptive deep speed. He's a lot faster than people think he is, and I guarantee he runs in the four fours. And people are going to be extremely surprised by that because he doesn't look super fast on tape, but I can tell you he is. Uh, Going on to my number three is probably the most physical player that we're going to talk about out of any position and that's john mechie out of alabama all around with all around wide receiver with a plus blocking is how i would describe him um a throwback comp would be a guy like heinz ward but a more realistic one that we've seen recently guy like robert woods he is always where he's supposed to be, extremely football smart. And Nick Saban has come out multiple times saying he is the most physical guy on the team. He throws his body around. There is a play against Georgia, uh, not Georgia, sorry, Florida from the 2020 season, where uh, <laughs> Bryce Young throws an interception to the Florida Gators. Elam's running it back. John Mitchie lays the wood on this guy so hard that he fumbles the ball again. And then they recover it, and Alabama keeps driving into the red zone. And John Mechie does stuff like that all the time. He's such a willing blocker, which keeps you on the field all the time. Um, That's why people liked Josh Palmer a lot coming out last year. But he's got the speed. He's got the pedigree. He's got the deep, deep speed, too. Um, I'm not saying he's, like, rugs level because he's not. I'm not saying that he is uh, even on the same plane as, like, a guy like Marquise Brown. I'm just saying if you watch the film and you watch the plays constantly, he'll be hip- and hip with a defender while he's driving down the field on the deep third. And then when the ball's in the air, the similar way to what we see with Jamar Chase, he immediately finds five yards of separation that he didn't have. And it's something that's extremely impressive. It's what's helping Jamar Chase this rookie season just basically blow out. John Mechie is just such a well-rounded prospect. These are the kind of guys that I like quite a bit. Um, He may be labeled as a slot wide receiver but his outside snaps are where i'm the most impressed and most intrigued and that's why i really like him to fill a role like a robert woods and really surprise a lot of people in this season when i look at number 4 we come to the ohio state prospect that i had talked about a little bit before in garrett wilson out of ohio state um the way i would describe him is an athletic freak um, kind of a different vein as what we're seeing with Traylon Burks. He's got the crazy quick twitch stop and go, kind of like what we saw with Hollywood Brown, but he doesn't have the polish. His route running is really sloppy. He's basically just been winning the last two years at Ohio State based off of that athleticism and not really based off of his route running. Uh, when you're in college, if you're open, obviously you're going to get the ball thrown to you, which is nice, but it's a lot harder to get open in the NFL, If you don't know what you're doing on routes and he likes, he likes to body catch a lot too. And that's just something that it's been proven even with a guy like DK Metcalf, what we're finding right now, alligator arms. If you're trying to clap the ball like that, you're going to drop it quite a few times. And it's very frustrating for us. Fantasy managers watching games where guys are open because of athleticism. And then they drop the ball. Um, I I, I don't want to curse him. And I don't want to be just a contrarian by saying it, but I'm getting some Jalen Rager vibes from Garrett Wilson. Um, I understand that they're a little bit different of prospect. Um, The route tree is a little bit different, but they're just, they both are coming out. They both weren't refined. They're going to be propped up based off of their athleticism. He's probably going to go before receiver that I would not take him ahead of most likely Alave and Mechie this upcoming year. And I don't think it's a good idea. He's got the touchdown production, but pretty much nothing else over the last two years. <clears throat> he can be used on the ground game, um, but he's sitting at basically 185 pounds at six foot. Um, he's a little bit heavier than a guy like Devonta Smith, but pretty much none of the polish he will just be a little bit faster. So I'm very concerned with a guy like Garrett Wilson, as should a lot of you, um, just Watch the hype train because it's going to come during this off season. And I'm warning you now, I don't think that as a prospect, he should be ranked as high as he is going to my last wide receiver in the top five is David Bell out of Purdue. Um, if John Mechie is an all around wide receiver with a plus blocking skills, David Bell's just an all-around wide receiver with B-blocking skills. Um, He's pretty much as vanilla of a wide receiver as you can get, but he's a guy that just produces. He's kind of the guy that's annoying because he breaks all of the athletic metric comps and all of that that you get and that help you basically rank prospects. Over the last two years, he actually has the most receptions out of anyone on this list at 146 for 1,911 yards, almost 2,000 yards receiving. Over the last two years, 14 touchdowns, same thing. Saw a couple of uh, carries sprinkled in, which is pretty nice. But uh, he's pretty much that Purdue offense. If you were watching Rondell Moore, he was making all those explosive plays last year. The guy that was catching your eyes on a lot of of film being wide open when they were checking down to a guy like Rondell Moore was David Bell. Uh, I see him honestly as a Tyler Boyd. Um, It's not a sexy name, but he'll produce for your fantasy team for years to come. And he's a guy that I think you're going to get a steal on. So if a sincere uh, McCormick was my steal at the running back position at this point in the offseason, when I'm looking at a guy like David Bell, that's probably my steal at the wide receiver position um, when it comes to elite, elite um, kind of measurables that he can put out there. He is 6'2", 210, so he's a little bit thicker. Um, he is probably going to run just a flat four or five, nothing crazy special, but he's going to be able to get open just based off his route running. He's extremely tough and gritty, and he's an average blocker, so that'll keep him on the field. <clears throat> going away from the wide receiver position is one that I did not expect to be as deep as it is, and that's exciting for any of my friends in tight end premium, and that is the tight end position. Um, when you're looking at the tight end class, a lot of people thought it was just going to be Jalen Weidemeyer um, out of Texas A&M when the season was starting, but that is not who I actually have at number one. Um, for me, it's a guy who may have a dual type of position like we've seen with quite a few guys that have come out in the past based off of their athletic measurables, and that's Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Um, I see him as Mark Andrews. Um, he's a big boy. He's 6'6", 260 pounds. But over the last two years at the tight end position, he has had 112 receptions for 1,451 receiving yards with five touchdowns. And he took a carry 69 yards for a touchdown as well during that same time period. That was this year. Um, I understand it's Colorado State. It's a little bit different, but we've seen prospects like Michael Gallup come out of Colorado State and succeed he has been dominating his competition both as a blocker and as a pass catcher pretty much that entire colorado state team is driven through trey mcbride and he is the perfect move tight end he is extremely violent as a blocker as well and i was shocked at overall the prospect that is coming out that isn't being talked about by a lot of people mark it down um i'm extremely excited for the tight end class it specifically if you're in tight end premium You should be acquiring those late twos and early threes because you're going to be able to scoop up all these tight ends. And yes, it takes a little bit for them to mature, but there's a lot of extremely good move tight ends that are also good blockers this year, which I was surprised on. So I talked about him as well, but Jalen Weidemeyer is my number two. He's at a Texas AM. and um, He's the athletic specimen of the class. He reminds me a lot of Evan Ingram coming out, but he's not quite as fast. Um, he's got a little bit more weight to him as well, which is nice when you're looking at him. He's more around that 250 range as opposed to like the 230 that Evan Ingram was. But he is a true move tight end. He's put up 86 receptions for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns over the last two years in that Texas AM offense. Um, again, they like to sling the ball and they're not afraid to throw it to the tight end. They do run that West Coast move system, so it is a good system for tight ends, and it's honestly where he should go. So if I'm looking at a guy like Jalen Widemeyer and a team that needs a tight end to a decent degree, um, I would probably be looking at a team like Cincinnati, who likes to sling the ball around to pick up a guy like Jalen Widemeyer to add to that already impressive talent group that they have, wide receivers. He's an above-average blocker. He doesn't miss a lot of his assignments, and he's able to immediately chip, get out for his route, and then take it 10 to 15 yards. He's pretty athletic. He's fun to watch on tape, and I think he's going to be a pretty good prospect at the tight end position. Um, The guy I was the most surprised about, though, on this list, Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Um, People people were calling uh, Fryermuth, Baby Gronk, and don't get me wrong. He's looked really good his um, rookie season. But when I look at like the blocking tenacity that you're looking for from a guy like Gronkowski in his prime, like Kittle, what we see now, the reason why he's such a good uh, prospect in general why he's always on the field with like 90% snap share is because he's such a good run blocker as well as a pass catcher. I see shades of that in a guy like Char- uh, Charlie Kohler at Iowa State. Um I think a more better comparison is probably a guy like Hunter Henry. Uh, He does what he's supposed to every single time. He doesn't mess up. He catches the ball when he's supposed to. He blocks when he's supposed to. He gets the yardage you would expect. If it looks like he can get an extra five yards, if he just runs a little bit, that's what he does. He doesn't do that weird turnaround thing and get tackled. He doesn't do quite what Hunter Henry does, where he goes up for a ball and then immediately, if it's a six-yard throw, he gets six yards. Um, He's got a little bit more wiggle to him. And if you want a guy that's going to throw his body around as a blocker, um, a la George Kittle, like I was saying, Charlie Kohler's your guy. Um, he's probably the sleeper tight end that I like the most in this class, just based off of the film that I've watched thus far. And it's a name to write down if you haven't heard it or you're not a big 12 fan. Extremely, extremely good prospect. When I go to the number four prospect at the tight end position, it's a guy that I like quite a bit. Um, but unfortunately he fell into the trap of a system that does not use the tight end at all in a very similar way. Also, if you're watching this live stream or the video on YouTube in general, sorry for the light changing. There's some crazy stuff going on on the TV right now. I don't really know what's happening, but, uh, number four is Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio state. Uh, he's the OJ Howard of this class for me. Um, He had 36 career receptions for Ohio State, but he took those 36 receptions for 435 yards and eight touchdowns. He was a red zone threat. He broke pretty long plays on some screens throughout his career. He just was not utilized at all. Um, He looks extremely athletic when he is utilized in the field, but he's a very good blocker, and that's pretty much what they use him for. Um, OJ Howard is a good comp for their usage in college, um, but he... He looks a lot like a guy like Harrison Bryant um, with Cleveland. Uh, He's got all the talent. He's always open. He just needs to be utilized a little bit more. Um, Same type of situation. Might be waiting on him a couple of years, but I'm pretty optimistic that he will be someone that you can use in your tight end spot in a couple of years. So he's a late round stash that you can throw on there, and I'm pretty excited about it. And then the guy who honestly is probably just like Nick Boyle, to me, um, just a crazy good blocker, uh blocking monster really is of course an Alabama tight end in Jaleel Billingsley. Um he's not as athletic as a lot of people like to say he is. I'm not super uh I'm not super excited for his overall production. Um, he's been kind of mediocre as his time at Alabama. He only has 34 receptions, the same thing um, that O.J. Howard with uh, went with and Jeremy Ruckard went with. Um, 34 receptions, 500 yards, six touchdowns, very mediocre numbers, um, but it's because he's such a good blocker. The reason that Alabama offensive line looks so good a lot of times is because you have Billingsley out there throwing those edge blocks on the edge that springs those outside runs that Brian Robinson loves so much. So not great for fantasy. He'll make a roster, might get you some depth, but if you're in tight end premium or start two tight end, it's a name to remember because he's going to be sticking around in the league for quite a while just based off of his blocking chops. So that's pretty much it. That's my top five. That's uh, the four main positions of uh, appeal for a lot of people in fantasy. I'll go over some just, you know, ending, closing programming notes, unless you have any more questions, Mike, because I see you're still in here. Uh, But for me in the off season, what you can expect on the rookie rundown is quite a few things. So immediately following this fantasy season, I'm going to be doing my list of immediate buys and sells from the rookie class. I'm not going to have a lot of sells because I've talked about it in the past. After one year of production, I don't sell a lot of the rookies going into their sophomore year, unless I'm completely out on what I've seen. Um, They just haven't produced whatsoever on the field, having gotten anything guys like Dwayne Eskridge, even though he had a decent game, I guess tonight is how you would phrase it for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I don't like to sell Um, the, uh, basically if you have a bad prospect that was a rookie, his rookie year, he can only go up in value. Um, You're just, selling diminishing returns, and it's not worth it for me. But I'll be having a list of immediate buys that I think you should be doing. Probably not going to be the big name guys. i um, probably going to be avoiding telling you to buy a guy like Jalen Waddle because you're going to have to pay an arm and a leg for it. Um, but some of the lesser known wide receivers, any running backs that I saw some you know spurts of uh, life out of that didn't get a lot of work their r- rookie years, I'll probably be telling you to buy. But I'm going to go with that immediately following the fantasy football season for the 2021 season. After that, I'll be looking at my top 10s at each position. They'll be a lot more firm than uh, what they are now, just because I'll have dived into a lot more tape. We'll also have the official declare, So I'll have the top 10 list for my uh, rookies in 2022 solidified as my pre-draft rankings going into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Uh, So basically expect like that third week of January for that list to hit. Um, For everyone, I'll do a pod. I'll throw it in the Patreon for everyone just so you can go ahead and see where I'm sitting at before they're actually drafted as NFL prospects once I know they've declared. After that, um, when we go into the offseason a little bit more, I'll be diving into Power 5 faves, Group of 5 faves, and FCS faves. Um, I've got quite a few IDP love little episodes um, queued up as well that I'm going to be covering some content. And then I've already got a couple of guest appearances, some pretty exciting and uh, spicy names lined up for the books going into the off season, just to, you know, really dive into some of the prospects that you guys don't hear about a lot of the times. Um, I've got a guy right now that I love pretty much identical to Darnell Mooney and could easily walk into the same type of role in the offense surprise. That's, probably not even going to be drafted in a lot of your leagues. And if he is, it's going to be in like the third or fourth round of your rookie drafts. So get excited for stuff like that. Um, After that, I'm going to be diving into some team specific offensive fits prior to the draft, as well as post draft, what I'm thinking of. And then it's going to be the return of everyone's favorite, the Oklahoma drill. When we hit that later off season period, once drafts have started to kick off so that we can fully see what these similar profiled players are going to stack up against each other in their offenses. Um I had a couple hits, had a couple misses from this last season of Oklahoma drills, but it's everyone's favorite segment and it's a fun thing to talk about. So, um it's decently good podcast tonight, guys. A solid hour in talking about my rookie top 5s at each position and a little bit of what you can expect. Got some viewer questions kind of queued up on some of the running backs and the quarterbacks for this year. And other than that, I'm excited to dive in. Uh, It's a good way to start the rookie content for the 2022 season, and it's only going to pick up from here. So as always, I'm Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore, rookie content generator for the DWZ Network. And until next time, this has been the Rookie Rundown.